Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Dan, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've, we've talked a little bit in the last week and you have a very interesting background kind of starting in engineering and then moving to to where you are now in terms of helping agencies grow and, and win new business. So I, I love it if you could talk a little bit about that journey and what it would to, to get from, you know, starting place to where you are now. Yeah, so I, um, I started out with a technical degree and a tiny little discipline in engineering called geomatics that probably nobody who's listening to this ever heard of, but uh, if you've used Google Maps, then you can thank somebody who has that background. And um, I was the 10th employee at a consulting firm in South Florida, and from there um, was really, really fortunate. I got asked about four years after I got out of college and started with the firm to take over for the founder and, and uh, become the CEO of the firm, and uh, then just had a great partnership uh, with the founder, he was a real mentor to me. And over the course of the next uh, 10 years or so, we we grew that firm and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. But I learned a lot about how to sell something that people don't wake up in the morning and, you know, their feet hit the floor and go, gee, I really want to go buy some geomatics or some engineering services. And for agencies, now that I'm in the agency business, I, I don't think anybody's waking up in the morning going, boy, I'd really love to go buy some, you know, digital marketing today. So, um, you know, so it's a different animal. It's not like we're, you know, selling iPhones where people are lined up around the block every time we release something new. And, um, and it's, and it's an an expensive sale and, and a sale that requires a lot of trust because uh, people have been burned before, um, particularly in the agency world. I, I don't ever talk to a prospect or hardly ever talk to a prospect that, that doesn't have some tale of woe about some web design firm or agency or some freelancer that they hired once, you know, from, from wherever that, you know, they had a really bad experience with. So you've got all that to overcome. And yeah. so it's just a different process. And so for the last 10 years, that's really been my focus. Um, I've been consulting and working with, uh, with agencies, with consultants, with service businesses on how to solve that, that particular problem. Yeah, and I def- definitely want to get into that and probably spend most of our, our conversation on that. And, and but just a, a quick sidebar, I've always found it interesting kind of working in previous lives with tech startups and, you know, selling in that capacity with engineers. And there's always this sort of like tension between the engineers and the salespeople, you know, because the engineers are like, why can't people just look at this thing and buy it? Why does there need to be this emotional journey that's not, you know, that's not rational? Right. And most of the people have to be brought on by these like these slimy salespeople. So I, I love it if you could talk about that a little bit. Like what, what was it like kind of going from an engineering role to a sales role? Well, it was kind of a natural um, you know, I was within the firm other than the founder. I was, um, probably the one other person that was most comfortable going out and talking to clients and doing presentations and things like that. Um, and this is back mid nineties, uh, literally pre-internet. The first year I worked for the company, we didn't have the internet. Um, we didn't have email for about 18 months after I got there. And so, um, you know, a lot of the tools and technologies we take for granted to attract clients didn't exist then. Um, Content marketing was writing articles and, and hopefully getting them placed in trade publications. And so it was just a different animal altogether. But, um, you know, so it was a fairly natural transition for me personally, but that, tish, that, that tension is always there. So a lot of the stuff that we would do in business development in that firm, you know, all of the more technical folks understood the need for it, but they also kind of looked at it like, just like you described, like, why do why can't people just see the value that's here? 
and I see that a lot, not just with really technical people, but I see that across the board with service businesses where you got into the business because you were really good at delivering the service. You know, the, the whole, the whole Michael Gerber, Gerber, um, you know, reason that you got into business. I see this with agencies all the time. Yeah. You know, people are, they're either creative and they, they kind of got into it because they love doing that work and they're really, really good at it, but they aren't as comfortable with the, the things that need to be done to, to get somebody to believe and to buy as they are with actually just delivering on, on the, the deliverable yeah. that they love creating. So let's, let's talk about that a bit. So when you're dealing with a client, you know, who's maybe a boutique agency owner and they're, they're really good at delivering their service, be it design or social media or whatever it may be. Um, what steps do they need to get, go through and, and what's really viable for them? What options are viable for them to get to a more consistent level of growth if they are not envisioning themselves as a salesperson? Well, the, so the, the good news in all of this is that it's, it's easier and more accessible than you think, but you may have to ignore some of the noise that's out there, um, you know, and, and maybe even have to ignore some of the things that you're telling your own clients. Um, a lot of times what we find with agencies is that the advice they give their clients is great for those clients, but doesn't necessarily apply to them because they're selling different types of things. Um, you know, and, and the perfect example of that is like an e-commerce agency that's really great at, you know, selling small dollar things through a website, but they find that, that selling their services is much more difficult. So yeah. the, the place to start is to get really, really clear on who you want to work with. And, and that's probably the biggest mistake that I think people make is that they, they get into this situation where their definition of an ideal client is anybody with a heartbeat and a wallet. Right. That may potentially tangentially have a need for the, you know, the service that they're offering. But we've seen it over and over again as we'll, because we kind of force our clients to go through a thinking process where they get very clear on who they want to work with and who they want to target with their marketing right now. Right. Um, and that's a distinction, right? So we're not saying shift your whole business and only take money from people that fit a certain profile. You can take money from whoever shows up. Yeah, but, that's... Sorry, go yeah, go. I was just going to say, but but focus your marketing, focus your messaging towards the type of people that you really want to work with, that that are most profitable for you, that make you happy, and that get the biggest result from what you do. Yeah, that's great, and I I really want to dig into that. First, you mentioned that there's a lot of noise. What what examples have you seen lately of just the noise that most agencies should ignore? Um, well, all of us in service businesses have seen the ads on Facebook saying that we need one of those four-step funnels where it goes from an ad to a webinar to a sales call to instant new client. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the noise. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work. I, I'm a big believer in that, that all marketing works. There's not a marketing tactic that, that you could, you know, bring up in this call where you and I couldn't figure out and find an example of it work really, really working really well for somebody. But is it going to work across the board and does it fit with you and your personality? And so, and that's just an example of it. There's lots of noise out there about what should be done online. And when I talk to agency owners, the number one place that they get new business is word of mouth and referrals. And the vast majority of them have no idea how to influence that. Right, right. And that's something I really want to dig into. 
Um, the first thing though is a specialization, which is something we talk a lot about in this mm-hmm. podcast and something that all of the, the great minds I have on the show, you know, including yourself tend to tend to agree on. So it's something that I'm going to stick to my guns with until I see better evidence that specialization is somehow, you know, moving in the other direction, which I think is unlikely. So, you know, to this agency that might've been around for like a decade at a time, and maybe business isn't like the way it was 10 years ago. And they're thinking about specializing, but they're terrified of it because they, they know they're going to cut out the, the, the people that might have gotten them to the dance. What, what do you say to them? Like, how, how can they go about specializing while you know, mitigating their risk? Well, with an agency that's been around, the first thing that we'll do is have a conversation about, uh, about their current clients and which ones are, are profitable for them that are easy to deliver for and, and get a result for compared to what you're getting paid and, um, and which ones get the biggest benefit from the work that you're doing for them. And that's usually, if, if you look at, at the intersection of those things, it's usually pretty clear then what types of clients are ideal for you and for your agency. Um, and from there, then all we're talking about is, is creating some marketing that's specifically focused on those people so that you can tell this great story that we've just uncovered about the great value that you deliver there, the success stories you have with other clients in that specific group and, and get that out to the people who, when they look at it, will recognize it and have one of those kind of uh, aha moments where they go, Oh, that's for me. He's describing me. Right. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense and definitely agree. But would you say that there's a point at which, you know, you've got to, you've got to change your homepage and basically take a step towards one market while kind of saying you're not for others, you know, and, and thus kind of taking on a little more risk. Yeah, I think, but I, I don't think you have to do that instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you've got an existing business and a clientele and they're expecting certain things, you can transition this in over time. And so, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it might start with a landing page. And then as you build that up and you sort of prove to yourself that, yeah, okay, there's a, there's a viable market there and it's enough, you can phase that in. And um, would it work better to kind of go whole hog? You probably get better, better results from a marketing perspective if you went whole hog and changed everything over. But I find that it's really difficult to get business owners to do that. And I'm most concerned with the ultimate transaction or the ultimate transformation that we're trying to create. And if that means we've got to phase it in because that business owner is uncomfortable with kind of going whole hog with it, then, then that's what we do. We phase it in. Yeah. And this might be a really hard question and I'm sure it it really varies, but is, is there, is there a process or a point at which you know, you're onto something right where you know, cause there's so many variables. You don't know how these markets are going to change over time and you don't know how many clients you need to take on until you can take bigger and bigger steps towards specializing. Is there sort of a process that you're seeing that's, that's working in terms of kind of figuring out that you're on to the right way to specialize? Yeah. The, the way we approach it, we, we figure it out fairly quickly. So um, again, we go through this process of trying to identify who the ideal client is that takes about two hours. Um, and maybe about 45 minutes of prep work on the, the part of the, the business owner. So we get a pretty clear picture quickly. And then usually the first thing that we're going to do is create a message around 
the problems that that type of ideal client faces specifically in the language that they'll use. And we talk about the solution and all that. We come up with that message, which might either be the homepage copy or a landing page copy. And then at the same time, we create a short presentation, what will usually end up being a 20 to 30 minute video that makes the case for that type of ideal client. Mm-hmm. And now we've got some, some sales tools, some pre-selling tools for that specific type of ideal client. And then we want to get it in front of them as quickly as we can and, and see what kind of response we get. Yeah, that's, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I want to talk about channels in a bit, but, but first, you know, we were talking a bit about referrals and, and I'd love it if you could just talk a little bit about the right way to envision referrals from, from your standpoint. Yeah. So there's a lot out there right now where people are, are saying some, I think, fairly foolish things about referrals. So they say, well, referrals aren't predictable. Referrals aren't scalable. And, and the, that, that is true, the way that most people approach referrals. But for the vast majority of agencies, you sit down and really think about how many clients you need to add over the course of the next quarter or the next year to to make all of your wildest dreams come true. It's probably not a thousand. In fact, it's probably not a hundred. And so you don't need something that's going to scale infinitely. And so when when we're approaching referrals first, it's got to be systematic and it's got it's got to do the one thing that the, the old referral models just don't do a very good job of, and that is to remove risk. So, and if, if I approach you in kind of the traditional referral model, um, you're a client or maybe you're a, a person that's in my network and I say, hey, Dan, you know, I, it's been so great to work with you. I would love to meet uh, some of the people in your network that might need the same kind of help that I've just given you. Immediately, you now have got to become part of my sales force. And you've got to go do the very hardest thing to do in any business, which is prospect. Yeah. And, um, and so you've immediately made it difficult to refer. Then if you identify somebody who might possibly maybe need what I do, then you've got to feel comfortable and confident enough that I'm not going to screw up that relationship for you. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's a big hurdle to overcome. You're placing all of the risk of that referral on the client or the referral partner. And there's zero benefit other than maybe they'll feel good about themselves afterwards, but there's really very little benefit in it for them. There's a lot of risk there. And the risk comes from the fact that if you introduce me to somebody, you know, that's going to, that interaction is likely to end up in a phone call or a meeting that we call a sales call, right? That's a sales meeting. And so yeah. there's all this pressure around it. Um, the way that you get around that is you just take all the risk out. And so the way we do that is we'll work with our clients to put together an information kit. Oftentimes we'll, we'll put that information in the form of a a short book and it's, it's all the kind of marketing information and sales information that you might convey throughout the sales process. So you're talking about what's the problem that they have, what are the consequences of them not acting? Um, what are the solutions? What are the questions or objections that they may have? And you put all of those things into a format that has inherent value. So we all know what a book's worth, right? We buy them all the time. They're worth anywhere from $5 to $300 probably. Um, and when we get a book, no matter where we get it from, somebody gives us a book, even if we don't like that book, even if we look at that book and I'm not that interested in that topic, we're never really offended that somebody gave us that as a gift. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So if you've packaged your information up 
you go to your client and you say, Dan, you know, I'm on a mission to change the way that, that agencies attract clients. And uh, we've been able to help you do that. I know you know other agency owners that need that help. And I've written this book and it's got all of the, the steps that an agency owner would need. Um, you know, some may decide to do business with us. That'd be great. Some won't. That's okay. I'm on a mission to get this in the hands of, as, of as many agency owners as I possibly can. Would you be willing to help? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes. Right. And when you extend that and say, let's take 20 minutes and brainstorm who we should send this as a gift to. Now you're sitting with them interactively. They can pull up on their computer, their contact list. And uh, I mean, we eat our own dog food just in the last week. Uh, we've generated 36 referrals. Yeah. From two conversations like that. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic idea. And we definitely see that working out a lot more and to, to, you know, make an admission. I think we have worked into our marketing, some of that messaging. I don't think we've ever said referrals can't scale, but we typically will say that referrals are tough to rely on. They're sporadic, but I think we might be on the same page because what we're usually referring to is the way that 99% of agencies go about referrals, which is kind of right. sitting around, you know, waiting for the phone to ring or having that awkward conversation every quarter with one of their better clients, you know, Hey, is there anyone you can send us? So I think, you know, we're probably on the same page with the idea of going proactively out there to get referrals and doing it in a way that is psychologically easy for people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 So I guess there's, there's a few questions about the how that I'd love to dig into. And that's probably what a, okay. a lot of our audience is, is dealing with, which is like, Hey, these are all great ideas, but now I've got to go write a book, you know? And obviously that's <laughs> something you guys, you guys help with a lot, but regardless of that, um, how, how should agencies think about what channels to focus on, whether they're making a video or a book or, or kind of deciding what, you know, what channels they're going to, they're going to play on? Well, I, I always, um, I believe in sort of making sure you've got the foundation covered and built and then work up from there and, and out from there. Um, we have a concept that, that we teach all of our clients called the attention ladder. And the idea is that you climb it just like you climb a ladder and you start at the bottom with uh, referrals and word of mouth and you create a system around that. And for some businesses, that's all that they need. And yeah. they don't need more than that. That generates enough leads. Um, and once you've got that down, one of the things that you get, you get as a result of, of going through that referral process, if you do it systematically and you're generating, you know, like a lot of our clients are, you know, 10 to 50 to 100 referrals a month, you're going to get a lot more opportunity to get your message in front of people and you'll hone your message and your offer. And that allows you to dial that in and then move up the ladder to paid media right? Because if you go to paid media without having a message and an offer and targeting dialed in, you're going to spend a whole lot of money. I don't care what channel it's in, direct mail, print, online, Facebook, whatever. You're going to spend a lot of money trying to figure out your message and, and your targeting and all of that. Um, you know, but you can figure it out in 90 to 180 days with a good referral process, then upgrade. And so that's kind of how we approach that is we just sort of layer these things on, build the foundation and then go on top of that. And, um, yeah. you know, you mm -hmm. may add direct outreach, you may add other things, but you want to have that message dialed in first. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And and one thing you mentioned earlier was kind of picking the channels and the content that's going to fit the personality of the agency. So to to broad frame that a little bit, you know, I'm sure a book is viable for many agencies, but would you say that there's other things that kind of can check the same box? Like for example, could hosting an event check the same box or or doing a live webinar or whatever it might be? Yeah, totally. So we, the, this concept of packaging up information and using that as a a lever to get people that you have a relationship with to refer others. Um, You know, it it can take multiple forms. And so the book is sort of the gold standard. Um, We see the best results, you know, and we've been, we've been doing this now for uh, about six years. Um, And that's where we see the best results, but we see very good results with things like, in-person presentations, seminars, you know, lunch and learns, things like that. We see really, really good results with webinars. Um, you know, so you can, you could do it that way without having the book. You could do, you know, a light version of the book where it's just a report or a white paper or something like that. Um, there are lots of ways to do it. We've had clients do it with audio CDs. That's getting more and more difficult because cars don't come with CD players, but for his audience, he was trying to reach executives that spent a lot of time going um, from place to place to meetings, you know, and five or six years ago, virtually every car still had a CD player in it. So there are a lot of different ways you can do it. And I think the, the thing you want to think about is how are my ideal prospects likely to consume information? And that's the format that, that you want to tailor it. Yeah. And to get a little tactical there. So if we're talking about, you know, CMOs, let's say of, of significant, you know, mid-market or enterprise companies, is there, is there a dominant content channel that you're seeing to be effective or is it still kind of all over the map depending on the the situation? I, I think the two most effective for an audience like that are, um, are the book. I think that's still in, in that market. What we've seen, uh, we've had a couple of clients going specifically after that market um, and, and the books work because they, they tend to have staying power. They own real estate. You send somebody a physical book. If it's topically on target, it will sit on their desk. You'll own some real estate on their desk or their bookshelf. Um, and so it's got a long shelf life. Um, and then right behind that is creating, um, an, an intimate sort of presentation. And so we've, we've had clients successfully do that where they'll go into a, a metro area where they know they have a number of prospects and they'll create a, you know, a morning or, you know, breakfast or, or half day um, kind of seminar, but it'll be built both around content and around the opportunity to network with peers, you know, so it will be like a round table sort of format. And it's, it's usually pretty effective to get clients to bring somebody that they know into that. And then also go, you can go out and cold market uh, and bring people into that as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and all these things, you know, sound like they're, they're going to be incredibly effective. Um, and the, one of the biggest challenges we see is this, this cobbler's children thing where, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk with agencies sometimes that have a hundred people and they instill the, the owners are the only people kind of dealing with generating new business and getting referrals and so on. And then even if they have, you know, an internal person, that person may or may not have the, the skills to create content. So obviously, you know, the best solution might just be hiring you guys, 
Um, but for an agency that might not be there yet, or they're trying to do things in house, or even after they've hired you, maybe just remaining consistent with it. Is there, is there a way to think about that and a way to set up the team so that you don't just have these like little run of the mill projects once a year that kind of just lose steam after the first X months? Yeah, that's, that is the biggest problem, right? Making this thing consistent. And, um, when we work with somebody to, to kind of remove that barrier, um, we'll work with them to really put a, a number of pieces in place. So, um, if they don't have a book, we'll work with them to help them get a book in place so that they can generate referrals that way. Uh, we'll work with them to get a presentation that, that then people can refer into whether they deliver it live or, or have it on demand. Um, and then a lot of times what we find with agency owners is they're busy. So even organizing or they're either busy or, um, in addition to being busy they're, you know, maybe they're dealing with prospects that are all over the place. So doing a, an in-person event maybe isn't as practical and, um, our kind of go-to medium then is a podcast. And the reason that we like to use a podcast is you can then go direct. Let's say you're targeting CMOs. You can go direct to a CMO and interview them on the podcast about what they think the trends are in, in, you know, in marketing in their industry over the next 12 months. And um, pretty easy to get somebody like that onto an interview and spend 30 minutes or an hour with them. And, uh, and now you've begun to build that relationship. And those relationships, um, if you steer that conversation the right way, can often turn into business opportunities. And then the other approach that we take there is to look at who are the influencers that are already marketing or already have the audience of the people that we're trying to reach. Yeah. Let's go interview them. Right. That makes sense. And obviously we're we're big believers in the podcast angle. And the other thing that I think about it is I I still think we might be in in an an early mover phase with it because, you know, people can get podcasts on their phones, but there's, there's something about that friction that's making it so that when you jump into your car every day, you're not necessarily throwing on a podcast, but once people are upgrading to newer cars and you have this sort of like an internet audio plugged into everything, I think the the listenership is just going to skyrocket in the next next years. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we, we have to keep reminding our clients is that the money is not made from the people who are listening to it. The money is made with the relationships you've built through the interviews. Right. And mm-hmm. um, if you are strategic about that, you're either interviewing potential clients and building relationship with them as a peer rather than as a salesperson, or you're interviewing influencers that can potentially refer you either in small numbers or in massive numbers, you know, um, and, and the way that often works is, um, you know, you interview somebody who's got an audience of the types of clients, let's say CMOs in this case, they've got an audience of CMOs. Let's say they do educational webinars periodically. You build a relationship with that person and um, it's a pretty easy next step to suggest, Hey, what if I came and did a, a webinar on this digital marketing topic that I, you know, we're, we're a real expert in, would that be a benefit to your audience? Um, oftentimes the answer is going to be yes. And now you're getting referred to 50, a hundred. I mean, the biggest one we've ever done is around 1200 leads generated on a single webinar through that yeah. strategy. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of, there are lots of ways you can take these interviews and turn them into business opportunities. Yeah. You're essentially just creating a platform and then all sorts of luck could kind of come out of that in ways you might not 
first envision. So I've definitely, you know, experienced it with ours and you probably have with your clients as well. Um, is there, is there anything else about influencers? You know, I think that that's often new to a lot of our clients when we, when we bring it up with them. Um, and they're not even thinking about the third parties and that sort of thing. When we're speaking about agencies, are there typical kind of archetypes of these influencers that a lot of people might not envision at first? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the low hanging fruit oftentimes are software companies that sell into the types of businesses that you're wanting to work with. Um, and that could be marketing tools that, that they're buying or that you're recommending that they buy, but it could be other things as well. And that's one of the, the advantages of getting specific. So going back to what we talked about at the beginning, yeah. when, when you don't have a target market, you know, and it's not focused, it's really hard to see these opportunities. That's one of the reasons we're, um, we're always pushing our clients to get focused because the minute you do all these opportunities, yeah. just, they appear, they were there all the time, but you were blind to them because you weren't focused on, on a single type of client. Right. Um, so, um, but software companies are often low hanging fruit because they like to do things that engage their, um, their users and they want to be valuable to their users and to their, um, uh, their potential users, their prospects. Um, and so we've seen a lot of success there. Um, you know, but again, it's really dependent on the market and understanding what, uh, what influencers that your clients are paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really great. Um, and, I say this all the time, but I, I think it's hard enough just to focus on one market. You know, I, I learn things about our market every day that I didn't know before. Um, so I, I don't know how, how I would do this if I focused on dozens, you know, so I think that's, that's a really good point. And all, all roads lead to specialization. It seems like, um, one, one thing that I'd love to learn a little bit about is how much do you think the way that agencies and brands, you know, are doing business is changing from where it was five or 10 years ago. Do you think it's a sea change or do you think that they're, it's, it's overall consistent with the way things happen. I think there are a lot of surface changes that are happening. Um, but the longer I do this, the more I feel like the, the way to win is to focus on the things that aren't changing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that by doing that, you, you have the opportunity to come and simplify things for your clients. Um, and you also simplify things for yourself and in, in the way that you're running the business. So yeah, will will technology continue to change and will will there be new platforms and new tactics and, and all of that? Absolutely. But the things that actually move the needle are still, you know, the foundational things. I mean, it's it's offer, it's targeting, and it's message. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. Agree. Then the medium mediums change all the time. But you know, if you if you're a master at looking at a business from a marketing perspective and understanding the type of ideal client for that business and, and helping that business craft a killer offer for whatever it is that they're selling, a killer way to present that, you know, whatever the offer is, you know, um, then you, you've got a leg up to me that doesn't change ever. That's, that's how we sell period. So. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's just kind of focusing on, on what's timeless to figure out what's really going to be worth your, your long-term investment, right? Cause that's going to be the thing that's tried and true and is most likely to deliver. And with that in mind, you know, kind of bringing us to the end here, one cliche question that I always ask is thinking about the future a little bit. And I'd love to hear, you know, what trends are you seeing either in the sales and marketing world or, or the world at large um, that you think people should be paying more attention to? Well, from a, a sales and marketing perspective, we are 
Um, we're seeing a lot of opportunities in areas that aren't getting a lot of attention right now. Um, and so, um, and again, we're focused on, on high dollar, high trust transactions. And so our world is, is, you know, kind of focused there, but, um, but I think this extends out beyond that, um, that, that relationship is becoming more and more important uh, yeah. relationship and recommendation. Um, because we're at a state, a state in the world where we have infinite choice. I mean, we don't, we could, yes, we could add more choice, but it's already so much that we can't process it anyway. So it doesn't matter from here, how much more is added. We've got infinite choice. Our biggest problem is figuring out how to make the choices that we make as we, we look to buy and more and more we're looking for that, that influence, that recommendation, that referral, that, um, you know, that pointer to the right decision to take away our risk. And so to the extent you can insert yourself in that process, you're going to be more successful. Yeah, that's really great. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Steve, how can people get in touch with you? So uh, what we've done, Dan, is we've actually set up a page on our site just for your listeners. And um, if they'll go to unstoppableceo.net slash DAG, so like digital agency growth, DAG, there they'll be able to get a copy of uh, my latest book, uh, The Exponential Network Strategy in ebook and in audio book and actually in video form. And that talks about how we use uh, podcast interviews to, to generate business opportunities. And so they'll be able to get all the details on how to do that for free there. Um, and that's at unstoppableceo.net slash DAG. Ultimate uh, way to practice what you preach. I love it. Awesome. Steve, thanks again. Appreciate it. Dan, thanks. It's been fun. Yeah, sounds good.